Good morning and happy Mother's Day. I hope all our moms are really blessed today. I'd like to share a video with you in this video message that explains the core message of Christianity. And it does so in the context of the crisis we're all going through together in the world. I've never experienced anything like this before. But the important thing about the video that's going to help us in our message today is it explains how Jesus gets us into God's kingdom. And then we're going to talk about life in the kingdom and how the kingdom citizens behave. But it's going to, so it's going to provide a great backdrop for our message today. Let's watch this video together. How has COVID-19 impacted you? In the wake of the pandemic, many people are experiencing invisible but very real side effects. For some of us, it's a post-earthquake syndrome. Our sense of security has been shaken. Our jobs, finances, and safety are less stable than before. And amid the mess, we're looking for meaning and purpose. For others, it's the new claustrophobia. Our house seems smaller each day. With our family now together 24-7, we feel pressed between job responsibilities and relationship tensions. At times, sadness, anger, and fear close in around us. We feel trapped. The symptoms we are feeling are actually just the tip of the iceberg of our much larger need for rescue. We are adrift, cut off from the resources we need to experience meaning, purpose, love, and peace. We hope to hear the sound of a helicopter bringing a rescuer. Human beings weren't always in need of this rescue. God created the first man and woman to know him and to experience his friendship, care, and love. He showed them how to live so they could make choices that would lead to life in all its fullness. However, Adam and Eve rebelled against God's direction. They chose to do life their own way. And everyone since then chose life their own way, which is sin. As a result, we live in guilt and separation from God. The gap between us and God is too great. There are just not enough good deeds that we could do to restore the relationship. But out of his infinite and extreme love, God didn't let it end there. At an astounding cost to himself, he took the initiative and made a way for us to be rescued. About 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus to earth to show us how to live God's way, how to find the meaning and purpose we've lost. Jesus took upon himself the sin and guilt of all mankind as he died a horrific death on the cross. His death paid our penalty, making a way for us to connect to God. Three days later, Jesus resurrected, came back to life, proving he is God. If we stop trying to live life our own way and commit to Jesus as Lord of our life, he provides everything we need to experience the truly full life now and eternal life with him forever. It's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus' resurrection. Since then, billions of people claim they have experienced the reality of Jesus rescuing them. They tell of a personal relationship with a loving God, strength and peace amidst turmoil, healing of inner hurt, and power and direction for navigating crisis. If you were in physical peril, just imagine how grateful you would be to be found by a strong and competent rescuer. The Bible describes Jesus as a rescuer, seeking us, coming to us individually, saying, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. 
Accepting Jesus' rescue parallels physical rescue, which involves agreeing you need the rescue, believing the rescuer has the power to save you, and committing to do what your rescuer says. If you're ready to open the door to Jesus and accept his rescue, it is necessary to agree you have chosen to do life your own way and ask God for forgiveness. Believe Jesus came to earth and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. Commit to accept Jesus' offer of rescue and respond to him for who he is, Lord, in charge of everything and your boss for how you live each day. If you're ready to accept Jesus' rescue, you can pray, talk to God, telling him something like this, Lord Jesus, I believe you are God. Thank you for dying for my sins so that I can be forgiven. I yield control of my life to you. Come into my life and make me into the person you want me to be. Thank you for giving me eternal life. 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped into our world as God to make a way for us to connect with God, to get into his kingdom and experience the real full life that flows from knowing him. If you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, if you'd like to learn more, then I'd encourage you to let us know uh and take some steps on the digital connection card below this video. Uh, if you're still exploring what it means to follow Christ, you might want to get a link to our Discovering Faith Forum. On that forum, there are testimonies from some of our members who have decided to follow Christ, how they arrived at that decision. There's uh, the core gospel message on that video. And then also there is... You know, our members share how Jesus has made a difference in their day to day life. You could also check the box, send me information uh, about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Or if you're ready to commit your life to Christ, uh, you could let us know by checking the box down there below, clarifying, contact me about clarifying my commitment to Christ. We exist as a church to help people connect with God and we, we would love to help you do that as well. We're starting a series today based on Jesus' teaching and what is considered the greatest sermon of all time. It was delivered at the height of his popularity. The purpose of the sermon is to teach his first disciples or those who are investigating what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what a disciple is. It's, it's designed to show what Jesus expects of his followers in terms of character, conduct, spiritual life, and, and many other things. So whenever Jesus taught the crowds, and this was the case in this greatest sermon of all time, what's considered that anyway, uh, they were massive. Uh, he, this is at the height of his popularity. And he, what he would do is he would often go to a hill and he would deliver the message from the hill. But there would always be in the crowd a small group listening from the elite of that day called the scribes and Pharisees. They were religious professionals who set the bar of spiritual expectations so high that the average man or woman of that day would say, those guys are out of my league. There is no way that I could get into the kingdom. 
There's no way that I could please God. I just don't have the ability. They're just in another league. They're totally different than I am. And it reminds me of my younger years when I was an athlete. I watch a lot of sports on TV. And you see the professionals, and they're doing what they do. And many of the sports I really loved that they were doing, and they're working in their office. They practice that all the time. But I, 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 would, I would watch them and be amazed. Uh, their office was a baseball field or a tennis court or a beautiful golf course. Um, you probably do the same based on what you're really interested in. If you're into theater, if you're an actor or you like acting, you do the same with a broad, Broadway musical. Or if you're a musician, you enjoy concerts and you go to them and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I could never do that. Uh, or video games. There are some really big championship video games that go on these days and in esports. And so it's very easy to get inspired by watching those who make a living doing what you love. But it's also incredibly discouraging to compare yourself to their ability and practice skill. So this is how it was in the the day that Jesus was talking to and teaching his followers and would-be followers, the average person was completely beaten down by the spiritual atmosphere of that culture because they compared themselves to the religious leaders, the elite of the day, who had made it so complicated to know God and to please God that they considered the average person considered, I, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can get in. Jesus wanted to set the record straight, and that's what he does in this message. He wanted his followers at that time and all those who would follow after them to know what his kingdom is like and to know how to get in. It's open to everyone who wants to get in. We're, it, there's a level playing field for all of us to get in and to walk in a way that pleases him. So in this series, we're going to apply Jesus' teaching to family life. And we'll see how living out the, the truths of the greatest sermon of all time that was delivered by Jesus really blesses the homes where they're lived out. The heart of Jesus' teaching in this sermon is what matters most is who you are, not what you do. If you're a person of godly character, that's if that's who you are, then that blesses others and in turn brings blessing to yourself. Like people in Jesus' day comparing themselves to the scribes and Pharisees, it's really easy to go on social media where most of us are interacting these days. We're mostly confined to our homes, um, but... It's, it's easy to go on and see what people are doing and the interactions and the posts that they, they, uh, post and get discouraged. It's easy to get into a compare fest. That's disheartening. And so Jesus is saying, look, it doesn't matter what's going on 
on the outside. What matters is your heart to God. And it matters what's going on in the inside. So a major theme of this greatest of all sermons that Jesus is delivering is to focus on attitudes of the heart and mind, not appearances and achievements. In today's message, we're going to apply these blessed attitudes in family life, but really they apply to all relationships. Let's jump in and look at them. Here are the attitudes that bless our home. The first attitude that Jesus highlights is to be poor in spirit. Take a look at Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is how you get into the kingdom of heaven. This is how you know you are in it, if you're poor in spirit. Now, it's interesting, these four verses that we're covering today, uh, they begin with the words, blessed are which means happy or even blissful, a general sense of well-being. Basically, life is good. What's going on in my life right now is really good. By normal standards, the attitudes that we see that he lays out don't seem to be the path to happiness. But Jesus is showing us a new way, the way of his kingdom. And so Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's what Jesus is saying. You are blessed if you know you need God's help. For those of you who have the courage to claim spiritual bankruptcy, he says, you experience the blessing of God. That's the way you enter the kingdom of heaven, and that's the way you experience God's blessing. You you don't, in other words, to be poor in spirit means you're not depending on your own goodness or morality to justify yourself, like you see in that video that we showed at the beginning. If you do, if you depend on yourself, you're depending on your own resources, and that's the opposite of being poor in spirit. That's being rich in spirit. I used to be rich in spirit, and that attitude didn't work out well for me. It led to a lot of pain. So I made a hard shift. And I repented. And I, so to speak, filed for spiritual bankruptcy. I admitted that I'd been off track. And I didn't have all the answers. And that's right where God met me. And that's where he'll meet you as well. Here's the next attitude Jesus says brings blessing to our home. It's to mourn. Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, if you're thinking that's weird, you would be normal. uh, Because people who mourn aren't happy, are they? Let me explain what Jesus means. Jesus isn't talking about pouting and complaining when you don't get something that you want. If you're sad about a selfish, sinful desire going unfulfilled, No blessing or comfort from God there at all. Jesus is talking about mourning sin when you do wrong before God. He's talking about being sad over the hurt that we've caused the people around us. It's legitimate to mourn over that. And we should mourn over that. This is what Jesus is saying. You can experience God's comfort when you refuse to ignore the wrong you're doing and the harm you're doing to others 
and admit it. That's when God comforts you. If you've damaged relationships, if you've sinned before God, it's right to feel bad about that. It's actually productive because it shows you're healthy and you have a healthy conscience. And maybe if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is helping you to see the sin in your life. And if you mourn it, there's comfort in that. If you mourn over the sin you have committed, the harm you've done to others, Jesus says you get comforted. Some people are just too macho, though, to turn to God in their hurts. They never experience, if they, if they don't turn to God in their hurts, if they don't mourn, if, if you don't mourn your sin and wrong done to others, then you never experience the healing the inner healing and comfort that God wants for you to experience. King David sinned in a horrible way. And in Psalm 51, you can read his mourning that he went through. And I'd encourage you to read Psalm 51 um, because if you're wallowing and stuck because of sin, you can turn to God like David did. And receive his comfort. The next attitude Jesus addresses here is those who are meek. We don't often use that term. It rhymes with weak. But meekness is far from weakness. Here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The term meek was used of horses who are brought under control. Horses are animals with tremendous amount of strength and power, and they're brought under control by a trainer so they can be used and useful to others. Do you know what's a blessing in our homes? Using our power to bless others, not to control them, not to manipulate them, and not to hurt them. Using our power to bless and not control. The opposite of this attitude, meekness, is using our power to hurt others with our actions or with our words. Often it's our words that really cut and hurt. We can be careless, sarcastic. Uh, We can cut people down. We can put them down. And that does a tremendous amount of, of damage. And Jesus says, we forfeit this blessed state when we get into that. There is a lot of humor that comedians do that involves these put-downs. And it's very popular. It makes sense in our culture to put other people down. And we have to be careful not to allow the humor of our culture and its practices to seep into the way we talk and relate to those around us. When those who are cut and damaged by our words, that that's not a blessed life that we're living. We're using the power of our tongue to really hurt people, and that's not good. There's no blessing in that. That's what Jesus is saying. How can we use our words in our home to bless others? Think about that. 
How much are you strengthened by encouraging words? How does it feel when someone comes alongside you and shows kindness to you? They help you out. They didn't have to, but they do. Think about someone that you can encourage today. Think about someone that you can help today. And use the power that God's given you, the strength he's given, to really bless the people around you. As a family, as a church family, or with your roommates, we need to watch out for sarcasm and getting a laugh at the other's expense. If you tend to dominate conversation, here's a way to bless others. Let them get a word in. That's meekness, and it will really bless your home. I'm going to wrap up the message by highlighting a fourth attitude that Jesus commends here. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus is saying, if we hunger and thirst to do life God's way, like we hunger for food, then we're going to be blessed by that. Every single day we need to eat. Our body needs food. And I personally crave it. Sometimes I'm looking, I'm wrapping up the meal of the moment, and I'm looking forward to the next meal already. And maybe that's craving it a little too much. But I look forward to the experience of eating. Jesus is saying that we need to crave doing righteousness that way. To be righteous is just to do what's right before God. And if we do what's right before God, we will be satisfied. Like healthy food makes a healthy body, righteous living makes a healthy family. Doing what's right before God gives your family and your home the essential ingredients that it needs to thrive, to do well in life. And the result is God's blessing. And here we see satisfaction comes along with that blessing. That's actually the idea behind blessing. Life is good. We have all we need. The opposite of this, this attitude, is leading our families to consume what is temporary. If we do that, if we lead them to, you know, focus on all the good stuff of this life and this world, they come up empty. We, we, we need to avoid that. We need to run from that. Following Jesus' way and living life his way brings God's blessing into your life and home. I want to encourage you to do that. He will fill you up inside. And, and that's really what Jesus is trying to communicate. These are the ways, these are the attitudes that if you choose them, then you will find the good life. Right here and now. That's why he came. He came so that we could get into the kingdom of God by choosing to be poor in spirit, by claiming spiritual bankruptcy, so to speak. And if we do that, then we begin to experience God's blessing. Level playing field. There aren't religious elites that we can't measure up to. It's not as complicated as the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day made it to be. 
It's trusting Jesus enough to obey his commands. That's what's involved in experiencing kingdom life under him. If, if you do that, if you decide to trust Jesus enough to obey his commands, you get into the kingdom and you get blessed. So I want to encourage you to take some next steps uh, from hearing this message, really from hearing the word of God taught today. Uh, one of those steps could be to identify an attitude that brings God, God's blessing and apply it to your life. Focus on how to do that, how to, to change your attitudes, the opposites, and shift to doing life God's way. And then another possible next step is uh, a family activity sheet that we've provided uh, next to the message notes. You can find them there. You could download those and you could do one of the activities or maybe a few of the activities. Uh, and for fun, if you decide to do an activity on that sheet, post it on social media so we could all enjoy you doing it together. I mean, that's kind of where we live right now on social media. And so uh, really be fun to see those. And moms, happy Mother's Day again. Don't forget to let us know which gift you'd like to receive. We want to be a blessing to you. You're a blessing to your families and in many ways to the church family as you walk with him. Would you uh, pray with me? As we wrap up this message, Father, we thank you for the power and the strength that you give in our inner being as we choose the right attitudes. Give us the power. Give us the help we need to recognize when we're doing the opposite and choose to make the shift to do life your way. And I pray, God, that you would help us to do that this week, this day that you'd be honored and pleased, and that we would be blessed as we do it, that our families would be blessed as we do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.